You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. We're finally going to play some baseball today. Welcome to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez here. And like I said, finally going to get some baseball today. What time? We don't know yet. Could be 8 o'clock. Could be 11 o'clock. We don't know. So pop some popcorn. Maybe a cold one, and sit back and relax because, again, it's going to happen. We just don't know when. Uh, we've also got McNeese and Southeastern to get to. We've got some Cajuns to get to. They'll play tomorrow. Astros, NBA, NHL. What a show we have lined up. And not to mention, Top Gun 2 comes out tonight. It's going to be a great night. Producer extraordinaire slash co-host with the most, James Mesh, joins me in the master control suite. James, what's going on, buddy? How are you? Not too bad. How are you? I'm I'm excited that baseball is going to get played. Yeah, we're finally um, able to play some. Because I've been looking forward to the SEC tournament and the Sunbelt tournament all week long. Uh, so it'll be nice to finally have some baseball to get played. But, you know, even even more... Than, than that, I'm really excited about the new Top Gun movie. I know. You've been talking about it all day. I'm really excited. I feel the need. You sang Danger Zone about 20 times. Hey, it's been in my head since I watched the first one, since I rewatched the first one Tuesday night. It's been stuck in my head all week. I feel the need. If you hear an impulse, just Danger Zone, it's because it's still stuck in his head. Yep. It, it it might happen during the show, so so hang tight. Don't don't you worry about it. Let's get to our downtown rising trivia question of the day, as usual. One guess per day. First person to call 706-0111 with the correct answer gets two free tickets to downtown rising next Saturday night. Here is your question. Who holds the record for RBIs in a career at the University of Louisiana? I don't need the number of RBIs. I don't need the years they played. Just need the player's name. Who holds the record for RBIs in a career at the University of Louisiana? First person to dial in 706-0111 with the correct answer will get two free tickets to Downtown Rising featuring the Cold War Kids next Saturday night at Park International. Poll question of the day while we're on questions. Are you worried about the Saints players that were missing from OTAs today? Marshawn Lattimore, Andrus Pete, Michael Thomas, Alvin Kamara, just to name a few, weren't present today. Does that worry you? Is It's a voluntary OTA, but... The fact that they're missing early on could worry some people. I don't see it as anything to worry about. It's voluntary. They're proven veterans. This is an opportunity for rookies. This is an opportunity for injured players, a.k.a. Jameis Winston, to get back in the groove of things. 
but an established veteran player that doesn't really need voluntary work. Yes, no, doesn't have does not have to be there for OTAs. So that that doesn't you know bother me at all. And James, I can bring you in on this. I don't think it bothers you either. Not even close. I'm not worried about it. Even when some players don't even go to training camp, I'm not worried about it. Like as long as you suit up when it really matters during the regular season and if you are to make it to the playoffs. And as long as you don't play like a bum, I don't care. Just don't get into trouble and just play how you're expected to if you're going to miss this time. Because otherwise, if you miss the time, you don't play how right. player, other players and fans and coaches expect you to play, then yeah, there's an issue. Otherwise, I'm not worried about it. It's, it, I mean, just don't stress about it, man. Yeah, no, it's, it's not a big deal. Um, also, the Celtics won last night. Yeah. So James is happy. Uh, are we have, have we advanced clouds at all? We're on a six, six. Okay, yeah. getting there. So, what what cloud do you get to if they win and advance to the finals? Like that that's got to be <laughs> you, you got to hit cloud nine for like a minute because like dude, we're going to the finals, but then you come back down, right? Maybe for a sec. Like there's got to be also, a moment, but that's all. There's also an, that's another thing with me is. I'm kind of delayed. Like it doesn't really settle in until later on. Like oh, if, see, something, a, if something, if something big, if something is big, it takes me a moment to to like really reminisce on and be like, "Wow, that really just happened." Like when it came to the Minneapolis miracle or the Nola no call, that hurt. It, it took me a little, little while to be like, "Wow, that really just happened." Yeah, that those those both hurt, and I, I'm upset that you even brought it up so any anytime something like that happens something big when you're like even the playoffs or maybe something in real life like if, if something happens it kind of takes me a while to be like wow Celtics right. actually going to the finals like I so let's say they let's say they clinch it on tomorrow night let's say they clinch it tomorrow night i probably wouldn't settle in and be like wow celtics are really in the finals it probably it would probably be until monday or tuesday night like maybe maybe even after game one i probably wouldn't be like oh wow that's wild this is the first time i've actually seen the celtics get to the finals because i never i didn't get to see the 2008 season i didn't start watching basketball till 2010 interesting that's interesting. Yeah, so so let's say let's say this the Heat win tomorrow night and make it go to a game seven. Right. I'd probably go back down to a cloud five. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. But if they if they win, I would go to a bad cloud seven. So let's talk about this. LaShawn McCoy goes off on Chiefs Eric Bienemy. Oh. Says he's the reason he left Kansas City. Oh. So is this now coming up? Why, where, why Eric Bieniemy like just every year comes around to it and he just never becomes a head coach? This is his exact quote. There's a reason why every year they hype him up to get a job, and then when the time comes, nobody hires him because they know the type of coach he really is. Oh, treats the players poorly. Treats uh, the rest of the staff poorly. McCoy alleged Bieniemy spoke to players a certain way. 
that he seemingly deemed inappropriate and is clearly not surprised in the slightest that Biennemi hasn't found a head coaching gig just yet. The former running back didn't get too deep into specifics, but McCoy made it known that those in the NFL perhaps view the coach differently compared to everyone else. That's intriguing. That is, because a lot of people were like, well, why don't the Saints just hire him as the, well, the new head coach? I, I was one of them. You were. I wanted Eric Bieniemy as the head coach. So that, wow. Okay. Um, also, in other sports news, Ray Liotta, who played Shoeless Joe Jackson in Field of Dreams, he also starred in Goodfellas, passed away today at the age of 67. An absolute legendary movie in Field of Dreams. Um, and Shoeless Joe Jackson was obviously a key proponent in that story. So uh, RIP to the GOAT, RIP to the legend. Thank you for giving us Field of Dreams. Here's a here's wow. The Reds won another baseball game today. They beat the Cubs twenty to five. James twenty to five. <laughs> Come a long way from only three wins. The Reds scored eight in the third and then five in the eighth. Only gave up eight hits, while the Reds had twenty was their biggest win in 23 years. That is insane. Another game of note on the MLB schedule tonight, of course, your Houston Astros will take on... That's actually tomorrow. The Astros will play the Mariners. Tonight's game of note is the Braves and the Phillies at 620. Raymond Parsha's Atlanta Braves taking on the Phillies. Man, you know, I heard Kevin Foote use this phrase, hammock season. I think the Braves are having one of those right now. They are just, they're struggling a little bit. They they really are. Um, they're 21 and 23. Their team statistics are 234 batting average, a 3.97 ERA. Those are okay. Um, but man, you don't, you barely, Marcelo Zuna's only hitting 231. You're only getting 268 out of Dansby Swanson, 251 out of Ozzy Albies. That's rough. Uh, that's a lot of, and then, you know, you've got Ronald Acuna hurt again. I think the Braves are just enjoying, you know, calling themselves World Series champs and and moving on with their lives. Which I mean that that's fine if if that's what you you want to do. James tonight and and we'll we'll talk deeper about it the next segment, but Warriors Mavs what what you what you thinking? What you feeling? Thinking Warriors are gonna have a little bit of rest going into the finals. You think it ends tonight? I think so. You see, I, I thought that. I thought that. But watching the way Dallas responded to being down 3-0, I think they might make this a series. 
I don't think they have enough gas in their tank to win it. I don't think they can win the series. But do I think they can extend it one more game and bring it back to Dallas for game six? Yeah. I think they could win tonight. Interesting. I mean, obviously you're going to need a hell of a game out of Luka Doncic again. Which that's every game. But, and then you're going to need, you know, Steph and Clay to not have great games. Need them to crap the bed. I don't know about crap the bed, but I mean. Well, okay. One gets 20, one gets 10. You know, that's, if they combine for 30. Clay had 12 last last game. Yeah, and then Curry had what, 21? 20. 20, so they combined for 32. Yeah. I think I think combined, if you keep them under 40 combined, uh-huh. I, th- I think Dallas wins. Yeah, uh, I would have to agree with that. Um, and so if, if they can do that, and, and again, Luka puts up near triple-double triple double numbers, I think they'll be, they'll be just fine. Once again, trivia question of the day, who has the most RBIs in a career in a Louisiana uniform? 706-0111, first person to call in with the correct answer. We'll get two free tickets to downtown Rising. If you want to see the Houston Astros in person, then listen up. The game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, wants to hook you up with our latest Astros weekend getaway. Houston takes on the Chicago White Sox on Saturday, June 18th, and you can be there. All you got to do is register in the game clubhouse. 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com to score four tickets, a tour of Minute Maid Park, and hotel accommodations that Saturday night. Astros weekend getaways are powered by Butcher Air Conditioning, La Meridian Houston downtown, and the game, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. We'll take a time out. Mesh and I will talk deep into the NBA playoffs on the other side. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh right here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 20 minutes after 4 o'clock. As a reminder, trivia question, still no winner. Who holds the record for RBIs in a career at Louisiana? First person to call, 706-0111. With the correct answer, we'll get two free tickets to downtown rising. James, your Boston Celtics, 93 to 80 last night. They handled business. Scored 32 points in the third quarter, 24 in the final frame. Now, one thing that I find kind of disturbing, and may, maybe not disturbing, that might not be the I right was word. Say, that's a strong word. They were losing at halftime. They were, no doubt. But the thing is, both teams are shooting poorly. So the second half kind of is what would define the game itself. Because whoever finally was able to put the ball through the hoop was ultimately going to win the game because neither neither of them could shoot. So the fact that the Celtics and Jason Tatum, who started off one for nine in the game, they started to put they started to figure it out. 
They kept the blitz going on defense, and with with, with the shooting for Miami, I mean, no, literally nobody can make it. I, I remember, I remember looking at the stat before Max Struess took his four free throws and back to back possessions. Mm-hmm. He he was 0 for 14 from the last two games because he was yeah. 0 for 7 last game, and to that point, he was 0 for 7 as well. It was like, uh, and looking at the the Heat shooting overall, they were 15.6 percent. They shot seven for 45 from behind the arc. I mean, that's not going to win you games. And when I talked about Jason Tatum starting off one for nine, he finished seven for 20. So he he significantly improved. It still wasn't a great night shooting since he was two for eight from from three. But he was able to grab nine boards and dish out nine assists and almost had a triple double. When that, which to me, when you're not having a good shooting night, you're still able to make plays, and that he was able to find the open guy and able to get his team to score. That 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 was big to me because sometimes when it comes to young stars and in their development, they they do become kind of stagnant and they're so used to trying to score. Tatum kind of took it to another level, and even though he didn't put up 30-plus, and he only had, I forgot how many points it was at half. I think it was like seven, maybe. And he finished with 22. At halftime, or no, he had four points. I'm sorry, he had four points because he had one. Yeah, and then finished with 22. Yeah, so he had 18 in the second half, but in the first half, over half, over half of his, half of his assists was there. Throughout the throughout the game, he was able to make plays without it necessarily being him having to shoot the ball. What well, what's with you guy Pepe not scoring at all last night? Oh uh, well, Pepe barely got in the game. It was just Derek White. That's that's the thing. Derek White just he's played. In, he's impressive. And and I said that I said when the season started, I didn't like the Schroeder move, and we saw it through the first thirty games, 30, 40 games, and into the All Star break. You saw through the whole season. Schroeder tried to handle the ball too much. He tried to, he used the Celtics as a way to kind of prove to other teams like, hey, I know I said I was worth $70 million and I know I took only five with the Celtics, but let me prove to you why I'm worth that much. Like he tried to do too much and then getting the trade with Derek White, I was like, yes, he is a guy that doesn't need the ball in his hands. He's totally willing. He's he's aggressive. He's, He's good on defense. He's not a good shooter from behind the arc. But he's able to make plays on both ends, and he doesn't require the ball in his hands twenty four seven like other players, like Russell Westbrook, right? Or trying to think of another guy that just has the ball in his hands the whole time. Jaw, like it, it, he's not that type of player that needs it. He's a good pass first that can still score and make the right plays. And as soon as I saw them get him, I was like, yes, they have a chance. Because with with Schroeder before, they. They might have made the seven seed, maybe. Yeah. Or well, That's true. well, by the time they traded them, I think they were at about the six. I think they would have been around that area, around the four, five, six, seven mark. But with Derek White and everybody like just molding together and the chemistry working out, right? It, that's that's how they ended up being in the top four. And then Al Horford, Al Horford, ah, he just he drinks Fountain of Youth every before do, every game. How does the big man get five assists? 
he makes the right plays. That's the thing. And what I've also noticed with him, he's so good on defense. And I, I know you didn't see the game last night, but at some points he he just takes it himself. He doesn't wait for Derek to catch up to him if he's guarding somebody in the corner or waiting on Jason or Jalen to kind of take the ball to take it up court. He'll take it himself. Like I remember the the ball was got, got tipped up. He just took it from about the three-point line and was like, all right, I'm running past y'all and ended up getting the and one on the fast break. I was like, I love this. I, I, I can't be mad at Al Horford at all. I mean, right. he's making plays and he's he's – He's taking it himself. He's not waiting on others. He's just going and trying to get the score because at that point, Boston was still trying, was still struggling. And whenever you see someone like that, like make those hustle plays and just like put in that extra effort, that's that type of juice that sometimes a young team needs to be like, oh yeah, oh yeah, now we're locked in. Yeah, that's true. That's true. All right, changing, staying on NBA, but changing the subject. Jordan has announced. The pricing and release dates for Luca's signature shoe. I recall. I'm guessing we would call it the Lucas, the Luca one. Okay, because it, it'd be weird to be like, oh yeah, I got those new Doncic's. Yeah. No, the Luca ones. First, guess what would you think the price would be? Ah, uh, mm, okay. I think Westbrook's and Greek Freaks. I believe they're both at around. 120, 130, so I, I would have to guess it's at that price range. 110. 110? Okay, yeah, that, that makes sense because, I mean, he's a very big name, but it's, I mean, we haven't gotten to that point where he's won a chip. So they have announced six different colorways that are going to come out between June 30th and December 27th. So in six months, they're going to release six different colorways. The first one is going to be blue, white, black, glacier ice. The second one's going to be white, metallic, silver, and turquoise. The third one, and this one sounds pretty sweet, university red and metallic gold. Fourth, racer blue, ghost green, racer pink. That You see, that's too many different colors going on right there. <laughs> the fifth one, another pair that I would I would enjoy, black, university red, dark gray. And then the final pair is white, Fire pink, dynamic turquoise. So there are some some subtle, you know, normal colorways, and then there's some colorways that you're like, um, maybe my 13 year old. Are those are those the ones where is it called the Air Jordan 36 Slovenias? No, no, it's not those. Uh, uh-uh. uh, they they are the Jordan Luca ones. Yeah, no, it's Luca's like signature shoe. They made him a logo and everything. Um, they're I, I'm looking at a picture right now of the black the the first set the black the blue white black glacier ice. They just look like pretty sweet. Uh, hold on, they're they're pretty sweet. Not even gonna lie, dude. We still haven't gotten somebody to answer the poll the trivia question. No, no one's called yet. Oh, is that? Are they the ones where it's kind of got like on the pinky toe area? It's got like a little triangle. Yeah, and then it's got like more of a f- kind of, I guess, flattens. And it's got like speckled, a, a speckled insole. Um, all well, these are the ones no. with him wearing them. Anyways, um, I don't know. I'll go look at it during the break at your computer. 
And then Mavericks Warriors again. You you think the Warriors are closing it out tonight? I gotta believe so. I mean, it it took it took the Mavericks just whole team to shoot the lights out. It took it took that, and even with them taking that big of a lead, Golden State was still able to make it a somewhat close game and only lose by ten when they were down by as much as twenty nine. Yep, that's true. So, I gotta believe. Yeah, they lost, and it feels like the Mavs have the momentum. Maybe they maybe they take it to a game six and go back to Matt to Dallas. But here's another thing: how often do the Warriors lose in the Chase Center? Very I mean, rarely. really, it's very rare. And and we saw last time, like the Warriors were messing around with the with the Grizzlies, like they were literally dancing. They were saying "whoop that trick," and they got blown out by by 39 and as much by 55 and then they close it out the last two games. Right. So, yeah, it's that's it feels like another thing to me. As a reminder, the game 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles wants to hook you up with a $50 gift certificate to Richard Seafood Patio in Abbeville. Richard has some of the best boiled crawfish, but they also serve boiled shrimp, boiled crabs, fried and grilled seafood, pull boys and a seafood buffet. Sign up in the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com for a chance to score that $50 gift certificate to Richards in Abbeville. Let's take a timeout. When we return, JT Crabtree, the radio voice for the South Alabama Jaguars, will join us here on Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh to discuss the matchup between Louisiana and South Al taking place in Montgomery tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Had a rough day at work? Got lady problems? Not to worry, because you have two wingmen right here. You can be my wingman anytime. Now back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. I don't know if you could be my wingman. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana sports station. Met Miguez, James Mesh here on this Top Gun Thursday. The Louisiana Raging Cajuns will finally get to play a baseball game in Montgomery, Alabama this weekend. It is now a single elimination format. They will play South Alabama Friday at 4 p.m. from Riverwalk Stadium. Here to preview that matchup and talk about just the craziness that has been the last couple of days in Hoover is the voice of the Jags, Mr. JT Crabtree. JT, man, how are you? What's going on, boys? I'm uh, I'm glad we're going to be playing some baseball tomorrow. I'm bored, man. I want, want to play some ball. Let's go. Yeah, I mean, y'all have been there since what, Monday? We've been here since Tuesday, since it's only a two-and-a-half-hour drive from Mobile, but most teams have been here since Monday. So it's yeah. been a, for some of these teams, it's been a long week, man. Yeah, the, the, the Cajuns drove over there Monday. And so you guys went there Tuesday. Yeah, I mean, y'all y'all have kind of just been sitting around waiting. And, you know, we went to the ballpark uh, Tuesday. We watched a little bit of the Little Rock and App game, but that's all the baseball that the Jags have seen at least. I don't know what, uh, I don't know what the Cajuns got in town to see. I don't know if they went there and watched both games on Tuesday, but we've only seen just a couple innings over there, and then they hit a rain delay. So we've been just sitting around the hotel. Actually, the team's out of practice right now just – 
trying to move around and stay a little bit active and keep their mind focused on a little bit of baseball before we actually start this thing tomorrow. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. JT, talk to me about the South Alabama Jaguars and how different of a team they are now compared to when the Cajuns last played them at the end of March. Yeah, it's a different team now. The uh, The pitching is not quite where it was when you guys last saw us. Um, last time you guys saw us, you got a 128-pitch performance from Miles Smith, and honestly, he has not been the same since that game. Um, he's had arm issues since that game. He's at the most uh, a 50-pitch out-of-the-pin kind of guy now. Um, and that's really, really set back our pitching. Uh, we already, we're already down a guy with Jeremy Lee, who was a freshman All-American last year, and he ended up having to have the partial Tommy John surgery, and so you're missing him. And then Miles Smith has gone down, so we're we're down two starting pitchers, and the back end of the the pen has not been great. You guys saw on that that Friday night at y'all's place that. We had the lead in the 11th and couldn't hold on to it, and really that's been kind of the story of our season is we've had some really close games down at the end of games but haven't been able to close them out or haven't been able to come back and take that victory. Um, that's where we're sitting right now. It's still a very good hitting squad. You know, We dropped 15 on Coastal last Friday. Uh, just the, the pitching it doesn't have the depth that it normally does. We've had some really key losses even before the season, losing – our closer, Sam Knowlton, that's turned out to be a, a huge and even bigger loss as the season's gone along when we've noticed that we can't close out games. So a little bit of a different team. Uh, the hitting's still good. You know, Miles Simmons still one of the best hitters in the conference. Um, Eric Orbeta's playing well at second as well. Um, so a little bit different on the mound, but the plate pretty much the same. Chat with JT Crabtree, the voice of the Jags. You know, you talked about putting up 15 runs against Coastal Carolina. How about 21 runs on the conference leader? Yeah, that was a <laughs> that was a fun game, man. And even you can go back a day too, where we were down ten to six going into the ninth with two outs against Texas State at their place. Uh, rallied back with two outs to tie the game at ten, and we're on cloud nine. We're thinking, all right, here we go. We're, we've turned the ship back around. We're headed in the right direction. Yeah, you lose on a walk off in the bottom of the ninth, but you felt pretty good about what you're able to do to make that comeback. But we were really concerned about getting on the bus after that game, losing 11-10 to 10 or whatever it was, and it was quiet. The bus was quiet. We're thinking, oh, man, this could have been the turning point. But then we turned around and dropped 21 on getaway day, and, again, it was a point where it was, we were kind of sitting there thinking, maybe we've turned that corner again. You know, Maybe that team that started 15-3 and three, that really was looking like world beaters, maybe, this, maybe these guys are back. Now, I'm, I'm kind of – cautiously optimistic because we dropped 15 against Coastal last Friday and we again looked more like that team that started 15 and 3 had a little bit of a little bit of a swagger to them a little bit of cockiness a little bit of an attitude that we've been missing probably for about the last month um so I think these guys are ready to go man you know dropping the 21 was good the 15 last week was good as well um you just you need to hope that pitching can keep Doing what it's been doing for the majority of you know the, the Arkansas State and ULM series. Now going look looking squarely at this tournament this weekend, how do you think the single elimination format either favors or disfavors the Jags? 
Oh, 100% favors us. <laughs> absolutely. I mean, we voted for it to be single elimination. Mark Calvi was absolutely on board with moving it to single elimination simply because of the pitching depth. If we go into that loser's bracket in a double elimination series and potentially have to play a Wednesday game, a loser's bracket Thursday, loser's back bracket Friday, and then you're even looking at potentially a double dip on Saturday before you get to a championship game, there's no shot that we had the pitching to last that long. Going to single alum now where you've got three games, give it your best for three games, that is definitely doable for this pitching staff. Now, I know for the Cajuns, they definitely did not want single elimination. They were very emphatic about having either double, even the possibility of a two four-team pools was being kicked around a little bit. I'm not sure how that would have worked, but I think they would have had to have um, some second-sight stuff in there, and they looked at Alabama State that's in town. But just from an infrastructure standpoint, we played midweeks up there with them every year at Alabama State, and we knew going into it that field probably couldn't handle everything from a, a press facilities, ESPN, especially the replay component was the big issue of that, where they probably couldn't have had replay over there, so you can't have it at Riverwalk because that would be an unfair advantage for teams over there. But the Jags are all for it, man. Single elimination, absolutely. It reminds us a lot of 2017 where the same thing happened. We sat in Statesboro for three days, didn't play. We moved single elimination, got hot, rolled through Statesboro, won the tournament, and got into a regional. We're hoping that this lines up the same way as it did in 17. JT Crabtree, the voice of the Jags, joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Now it's interesting that you that you say that Louisiana didn't want the single elimination because, in, in my personal opinion, I think the Cajuns are in the same boat uh, as the Jags. Pitching depth Absolutely. is an I, issue. Yeah, I think the, the the pitching. I think you guys have more depth than us. The thing that I think Louisiana was wanting more was more of an opportunity to build that resume of the RPI to get an at-large. Yeah. I know sitting right at, I think, about 60, last I looked, is probably on the outside looking in. But just having more opportunities to play some more games, I think, is why they wanted the double a limb more than anything. Yeah, and, and that's that's fair. That's a fair way to look at it. I w- but it, from, from my vantage point, you know, I, I get that. But at the same time, like you said, three games – Put your best arm on the mound each game. You know, gives you the opportunity to to really make a run at, at a conference championship. Now, talk to me about Mark Calvey and his message to his players the last couple of days. Like you said, just kind of sitting around waiting. Yeah, it's mainly just you know stay ready because yesterday we we pretty much knew we weren't going to play yesterday because we were the four o'clock game. And there was supposed to be the 9 o'clock, then the 12.30, and we had hit the 12 o'clock mark. It was still raining, and not a single game had been played yet. And so we were all kind of sitting around saying, you know, we're probably not going to play, but we still got to stay ready because we haven't been officially told we're not going to play. There was even, you know, with the secondary site, there was even the possibility of, yeah, you know, you guys might be playing at 7 o'clock if we can get it in, but it would be over at Alabama State or over at Riverwalk. So, He's just making sure they're they're staying ready, just mentally ready to go. And again, you've got three games now instead of a potential five. You've got three games to just give it your all, go out there. And I am guys, I'm so pumped that we are matched up with the Cajuns for the first game because a postseason atmosphere 
a win or season over game, most likely for both teams, it's going to be a dogfight tomorrow afternoon. I know the Cajuns are here in full force because I've seen them all over the hotels down here. I've uh, enjoyed a couple of beverages with a couple of the fans. You guys are always the best fan base. But I know it's going to be an absolutely rowdy atmosphere come tomorrow over at Riverwalk. I cannot wait for when we match up on the Diamond. Yeah, and then on top of that, just the, the rivalry that has been developed over the years between the Cajuns and the Jags. This it's gonna be it's gonna be insane tomorrow. Yeah, we're uh, you know, hopefully nothing crazy like the ninety two brawl where right. at least at some point it held the, the NCAA record for most ejections in a college baseball game. I think it was twenty nine ejections. Yeah. Uh hopefully nothing like that tomorrow. But I definitely think because it's a rivalry, you know, People, a lot of people say, well, Troy's your, your, your rival, right? Because they're right down the road from you. I really do think, and I think I've talked to you guys about this before, I really do think of, as, of you guys as probably our primary rival in everything outside of football. We're always neck and neck in every sport. Everything is competitive. We're always right there in the standings. And every game that we play against each other always means so much to both fan bases. I think tomorrow is going to be an absolute blast when we get out there on the diamond. Yeah, definitely looking forward to it. Once again, four o'clock from Riverwalk Stadium in Montgomery. What can who is uh what, what's the plan for Mark Calvi? Has he announced a starting pitcher for tomorrow? Yes, so we will go with Matt Boswell. He's been our number one since Miles Smith has been hurt. So we're going with our Friday guy, and I know the Cajuns are going with Brandon Tally. Yep. Uh, Bos was good against Louisiana in the regular season. He's actually, he had the complete game victory on Saturday against Louisiana. So they've seen a lot of him, but he hasn't been necessarily the same pitcher uh, really the last two weeks. He's got, he's a little bit banged up right now. Health-wise, he's not 100%. But he's a redshirt senior. He's looking at the possibility of this being his last career game. I've talked to him a bunch this trip, and I know that he is fired up. He wants the ball. He's ready to go. And I know that Mark Calvi absolutely has 100% confidence that Boz is going to give us everything he's got. JT, really appreciate you taking the time, my friend. Have fun down in Montgomery this weekend, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Appreciate you having me on, guys. There he goes, JT Crabtree, the radio voice of the South Alabama Jaguars. Reminder, today is the day that you're going to sign up for the game clubhouse. Yeah, that's right. I told you today's going to be the day. Not only is it free or simple, you will get the chance to enter to win awesome free gifts like a $150 gift certificate to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse from mouthwatering steaks to tremendous sides and so much more. You can only score that $150 gift certificate, however, to Mr. Lester's Steakhouse by becoming a member of the game Clubhouse, 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com. So go sign up today. Takes like five seconds. It's super fast. We'll take a time out when we return. NHL, Astros, and hopefully we'll get an answer to that trivia question. Who leads the Cajuns in RBIs in a career? 706-0111. You're listening to The Game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Let your voice be heard. 
Hello. Give us a call on the hotline at 337-706-0111 and speak your mind. Yellow. This is the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh right here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, and you. 52 minutes after 4 o'clock on this Top Gun Thursday. Let's talk some NHL. Tonight, the New York Rangers will take on the Carolina Hurricanes in Game 5 in Raleigh, North Carolina. Series tied 2-2. Two two. The Rangers are looking to take a 3-2 lead and take it back to the Garden to wrap it up in Game 6, while Carolina is looking to protect their home ice. It's an evenly matched series. Both teams having good years. The Rangers led by Artemi Panarin, and then the Hurricanes led by Sebastian Ajo. Leads the team in points, goals, and assists on the season, while Panarin leads the team in points and assists. The other matchup tonight is the Oilers and Flames, and man, what a series this has been. Edmonton leads 3-1. to one behind the god. I mean, some people are already saying this guy's going to be better than Wayne Gretzky. Connor McDavid, 123 points on the year. He has 44 goals and 79 assists. However, Johnny Gaudreau hanging around for Calgary with 40 goals and 75 assists. He's looking to make an impact in this series, get his team back in the mix of things. So we'll see what happens there. That one's at 8.30 on the four-letter network and Carolina-New York at 6. And then the game last night, St. Louis taking down Colorado in overtime, 5-4. to four. Colorado jumped out to an early 3 to nothing lead before St. Louis slowly started inching back. They got one in the, third, in the second, three in the third to take a lead, Chicago, Colorado responded to tie it, and then St. Louis getting one in overtime to stay alive. They were down 3-1 in the series, so now it's going to shift back to St. Louis with the opportunity for them to go 7. That'll be fun. 706-0111 if you want to get in on the show. A hat trick by Nathan McKinnon was not enough for the Colorado Avalanche last night. Jamie Green's happy because his Tampa Bay Lightning have, have moved on. They await the winner of New York and Carolina. James, have we gotten a winner for the trivia question? No, we have not. No, we have not. Nope. Not yet. You can still win. You still have a chance. Tickets are still up for grabs. Who leads the Raging Cajuns in RBIs in a career? I'll give you a hint. It's a very famous Cajuns player. 
I will I will give you that hint. Poll question of the day. Are you worried about players missing OTAs for the Saints? So far, 72% of you say no. 11% say yes. And 17% say who cares? I'm kind of in between no and who cares. It's OTAs. Why are we worried about it? I mean, honestly. And then our guy, Robert Duplishan, chiming in on Facebook. He says he is not at all worried. I'm loving the confidence, Robert. He's, he's not just not worried. He is not at all worried, James. The, the man doesn't have he a worry. He took it to a whole nother level. Yeah, the man doesn't have a worry. I wish I didn't have a worry. He may have 99 problems, but Saints players not at Saints, OTOs, OTAs one. is not one of them. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, so, you know, we, we've been making Top Gun references all, all show, and it's because tonight we're all going to a premiere of Top Gun Maverick. So if you entered the Top Gun Maverick contest and you won tickets, congrats and I'll see you at the theater in about two hours. That's going to be fun. As a reminder, the game clubhouse, 1037thegame.com, 1041thegame.com, can help you with your date night blues. That's because once you become a member of our rewards club, you'll have the opportunity to win excellent prizes like a $50 gift certificate to Half Shell Oyster House. We want to help you take your lady out for some delicious seafood, but you can only win that $50 gift certificate by joining the game clubhouse at 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame. We'll be back right after this. You're clocked out. We're locked in. You're listening to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hour number two of two. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. The McNeese Cowboys are looking to get back to the NCAA tournament. The only team left standing in their way is the Lions of Southeastern. Three games set beginning tonight at Joe Miller Ballpark in Lake Charles. It's a three-game series for the Southland baseball championship tonight at six tomorrow at six and then saturday at six if necessary kplc sports director brady reynard joins us to discuss the series brady how you doing man thanks for taking the time i'm doing great another beautiful day for baseball luckily we're not having the same weather issues that some of the other tournaments around the uh the country are having like the hoover tournament over there the sec tournament so Beautiful night for baseball. Can't wait to see it see it underway. Yeah, being being the LSU affiliate has had us running around the last couple of days trying to figure out when they were going to play, how's it going <laughs> to affect shows, you know, all that stuff. So uh, it, it's been entertaining over here to say the least. But um, four different start times. Yeah, four different start times they've been giving us. So yeah. and, and and now there could possibly be a fifth one. They might play tonight. I, I don't even know Sometime what to think of it anymore. Uh, 10, 10, 11 o'clock-ish is what it looks like, so we'll see. Yeah, let, let's dive into the Cowboys. And, you know, they, they've kind of had some success through the, the Southland Tournament, taking down Incarnate Word twice, a good win over Nichols. That Nichols win made head coach Justin Hill the winningest coach in McNeese history. 
you know, just the, the storylines as a whole, how important is this series for McNeese? You know, I think for them, this is just a continuation of what they've been able to do. Uh, even before 2019, I'd say 2017, that was really when the uh, switch really flipped for them, it felt like. Uh, they had won the conference regular season. They didn't do well in the postseason, but it looked like that they had kind of really made a name for themselves. And they had a really poor 2018. And then about halfway through 2019, they were like, oh, man, it, the ship may not have been righted. They flipped the switch, uh, finished pretty well to the end of the season, went to the tournament. Then obviously last year it was honestly a very similar script as it was in 2019 following that COVID year. Um, and this year, kind of once again, a similar thing. They didn't play very well to open the season. They kind of uh, righted the ship, and now they're back in this spot again. It really feels like that Justin Hill and company have found out their formula of – how to reach these guys and how to make them play their best baseball kind of heading late. And so this is a pretty important one for them. They've set a bunch of records this year for wins, and uh, they've got some records for the most starts. Uh, Reed Bork, their shortstop, is the most starts ever in an East uniform. Um, and so this one's pretty important because this would make it three in a row, which would be the first time in the conference that's happened since 2009, Sam Houston during that point. So for them, this is uncharted territory. So they're playing it at home. It's hard to just overstate on what another tournament appearance could mean for this program. You know, looking at the statistics for the Cowboys, you've been carried by Brad Burkle, Braden Duyon, and most importantly, your Southland Conference Player of the Year in Peyton Harden. You know, how has Justin Hill really been able to get this offense churning to get those big run wins to get them where they are now? You know, it's pretty impressive. I was pretty critical of them earlier in the year, and I, I would say rightly so. At the time, uh, I had kind of said, I think I came on the radio station and I said back in about March or so or maybe April that if they're not scoring at least seven runs, I just don't think that they're going to consistently win because I think that that's what that offense is going to be able is kind of where they're capped at. Well, since I've kind of said that, they now lead the Southland in average and they lead in runs. They're uh, fourth in the country in steals. They have 134 steals as a team. And so you, you mentioned on how does this offense get going? Well, number one, they get on base. Uh, they have a 305 average, the 14th best in the NCAA. So they've done a great job of actually getting on base through swinging the bat. They've really picked up their home run totals. They're second now in the in the conference and run in home runs only behind uh, Southeastern. And so they've done a really good job of manufacturing runs and then over this past month or so when they've been on this uh this real tear that they've been on a 12 and 3 run they've swung the bats and hit really well they've hit home runs and so the combination of being able to manufacture a handful of runs per game mixed in with a couple of big swings sometimes coming with two outs and all of a sudden you've got a pretty dangerous offense playing really well at the right time and you mentioned guys like Harden and Brickell They've got the two Cades, Hunter and Morris. Josh Leslie has come out of nowhere. Braden Duhon, uh, who's the brother of the catcher from a few years ago. So this is a team that's really playing its best baseball, and it's, and it's coming at every stage uh, for them right now, especially offensively. Uh, and it starts with uh, them getting on base. They're doing it at a high level. Brady Raynard, the sports director for KPLC, joining us here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Looking at the pitches, the pitching rotation, Grant Rogers is going to go tonight, seven and four on the year. He's got sixty nine strikeouts in seventy seven innings. How how impressive has he been 
to really solidify his, himself as the Friday night guy for Justin Hill's team? You know, obviously that, that role is so key in college baseball, right? That Friday night guy setting the tone, setting the stage. He's been good. Um, he's been everything they've asked for. Um, has been SLC Pitcher of the Year, as you mentioned, um, a 409 ERA this year. Has really kind of set the stage and has given them a chance for that offense to kind of pick up. So he's been the consistent throughout the year. Um, and But now we're seeing where he came out in the SLC tournament last week and didn't have a good start. But the offense bailed him out and all of a sudden came out with a huge win. Even kind of Justin Hill said that was really the only hiccup that they had um, in the run last year. So his emergence since the beginning of the year has really helped pave the way for that rotation to, to have that Friday night guy. You're able to get those innings and allow guys like Cameron Foster, who's their kind of, uh, I, I mean, I, I think he could be considered All-American status in terms of the numbers that he's put up this year. You've got guys like that that can close it out, and now that you've got that Friday night guy that can kind of, you don't have to use as many arms earlier in the series, um, such a huge advantage, especially in like a three-game set like this where if he comes out tonight and he can give you seven innings, that saves a bunch of arms for games two and three if needed. Yeah, no, no question about it. And you brought up Cameron Foster. I mean, a 1.76 ERA. He's... He's gone through 189 at-bats this season. He has struck out 74. Nearly half of his batters are striking out. Opponents are only hitting 164 against him. I mean, those are just some insane numbers for for a closer. For sure. And he's a big guy, and so he's got that really high-arcing delivery. Uh, he was a guy last year. Um, it was a really crucial series a year ago, uh, I believe it was at Incarnate Word, if I'm not mistaken. It may have been Houston Baptist. It was it was out of out of state uh, for McNeese, and it was a really pivotal part of the season where they brought him in in the, uh, in the ninth inning of a game, and he blew the save, and, and not only blew the save, cost him the win. Um, and he was really heartbroken about it, and Justin Hill looked at him, and he said, I'm okay with this because I felt comfortable losing the game with you on the mound. And that's the type of confidence that he's had. You know, he's a former pitcher, so he knows how to motivate these guys, and he understands the relationship that that, that baseball kind of takes. And that he said, you know, it's okay if we lose. I'm okay because we're losing on our terms. We've lost with the guy that we wanted to be out there on the mound. That's the kind of trust that he has in his guys. And he's really proven – uh, the development of Cameron Foster here in um, in year two in that closer role, uh, he really embraced it in the preseason and said, you know, this is this is what he's going to do. A lot of guys often like to see themselves eventually become kind of starters, uh, eventually become starters, and uh, he really embraced that role following what has been a really good role under um, Justin Hill over the last few years. You look at guys like Will Dion. Uh, who was in that role his freshman year, eventually became a starter, and, um, you know, guys like that. Um, so he's just kind of the next in that line of really solid closers in this McNeese program. Chatting with Brady Raynard, the sports director for KPLC, talking about Justin Hill. I mean, now the winningest coach in McNeese history, Southland Conference Coach of the Year this year, Conference champs this year, looking to be tournament champs again for the third consecutive time. How influential has Justin Hill been to this program to really just continue the success and the tradition of McNeese baseball? I think 
you, you know, you say continue. Uh, I think it would just be extending the tradition and success because this has not been before Justin Hill arrived. This has not been a program that has been consistently among the top of the Southland Conference. You know, I, only a handful of NCAA appearances and conference titles before he has arrived, and now he's got two regular season titles. He has two NCAA tournament titles, and you know, may have a third. And so that type of consistency is something this program hasn't had. Now, what does that mean for his future here? I don't know. Um, he, I don't think he's actively trying to get out, but I would think that you know, a coach making back-to-back-to-back conference titles, all of a sudden some of the bigger schools I'm sure will be interested in, uh, in, in what he can offer. But I think he's, he's, he's happy here in what he's been able to build. You can just look at what the field looks like and just the entire game day atmosphere of what McNeese baseball has become. And I think a lot of that needs to be attributed to Justin Hill and the job that he's done. And uh, as the players kind of say, the culture that he's really developed within McNeese, that they've uh, really become a baseball school over the last few years. And I think the softball program, funny enough, kind of helps with that and with the success they've had. It's kind of become a a real diamond school uh, between those two programs. And, uh, a lot of credit should go to Justin Hill for that, for sure. Yeah, baseball and softball definitely play into each other in that regard. Brady, two more for you. First one is, what does Southeastern do well that could give McNeese some issues? Well, I, you know, number one, I just think that this is the Southeastern program under Matt Reiser has proven to uh, to play big when they need to. Um, you know, they don't. It's baseball, so you're not going to win every game, right? But this has been a program that's not scared of the big stage. They've, they've been there. They've done that, even though it's been a few years. Um, I think the biggest thing is they mash the heck out of the baseball. So if McNeese is not pitching well, if they're, if they're not having their best day on the mound, this thing could get ugly very quickly in terms of the run totals. Even if McNeese is able to keep up the run totals the same way, you know, these – this could be three games where you're seeing double-digit runs on both sides because both teams are, have proven this year they can swing a big stick. So I think the main thing for McNeese is if you keep the ball in the yard, you're going to have a, the, the best chance to win against the Southeastern team because they've got 71 home runs. They're going to mash it. And so that's going to be the key, I think. Keep the ball in the yard, and you're going to give yourselves the best chance to win because I think your lineup is better than what Southeastern's going to bring as a, uh, as a pitching matchup. But funny enough, this is the first time they've ever met in the championship finals. So two of the premier programs in the conference meeting here, um, you know, it, it, it should be a real exciting one. Both are red hot down the stretch. SLU's 11 and four over their last 15. McNeese is 12 and three. So the two hottest teams in the conference meeting here in this moment um, should be a lot of fun. And look, I said it yesterday on the news uh, on our newscast, and I, I think it's worth looking at because of the situation coming into the season for Southeastern, talking the hurricanes, the injuries, everything that they've had to deal with. Is it, it reminds me a lot of what McNeese had to go through last year, following Delta and and and, and everything that that and Laura and everything that we had to deal with with those pair of hurricanes and the way that Justin Hill talked about his team is kind of similar to the way that Rogers talked about his team this year. So I think that's the key going forward that I'm sure if McNeese looks at them and looks at their motivation and looks at how they carry themselves, they probably see a lot of each other uh, within the, the two teams. Yeah, no question. One more I've got for you. It's about McNeese hosting the championship series and the conference tournament 
for the next couple of years. What kind of advantages does that play for the Cowboys? I know that might sound like an obvious question, but you know, having that home field right. advantage in a series like this is is you can't really be expressed the magnitude of that, right? Right. I mean, you kind of answered your own question there. You know, that's such a huge advantage of you're not having to travel. It's home. You know, it, one thing that you're always concerned with is how do you play when you're away from the comforts of home? Some teams like it, uh, but I think more most teams would enjoy having that atmosphere. And look, and if it becomes a staple, I mean, how consistent is it? Your diehards are going to be there, right? But what about your the bandwagon fans, the Fairweather fans, the fans of, oh, I just like baseball, I'm going to go. If it becomes a consistent where it's here Austin, they're going to go. They're going to show up, and all of a sudden your crowds are increasing 10%, 20%, 30% for these big games and these big moments, and they're rooting for you. You get a strikeout, the other team's going to hear it. All of these things all play into um, having success at home, and once you have that confidence and that desire and that knowledge that, if the game's at home and you're going to win, I mean, what an advantage that is in, in, in such those in such a big stage. And so, um, yeah, it, it's huge in, in my opinion, and it's a reason that McNeese made the deal that they did to stay in the Southern Conference because they understand what that means for the economy, what that means for the team's success, uh, and it's kind of hard to overstate it, especially when you look at all of the different sports they'll have that home field advantage in. Brady Raynard, the sports director of KPLC in Lake Charles, has been our guest. Brady, really appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy the Joe this weekend, and uh, we'll, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Of course, it should be a good one. McNeese comes in five straight against Southeast, and we'll see if that can hold up again. Fantastic. Thank you, Brady. Thank you. We'll take a timeout right here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. And when we return on this Top Gun Thursday. A little bit of an open segment. We're going to talk some Saints. We're going to talk some Astros. We're going to talk interesting headlines. All that and more. And of course, your phone calls on the hotline, 706-0111. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It is Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Got something to say to Miguez and Mesh? Hell yeah! It's easy. Just call the hotline by dialing 337-706-0111. Now, back to more Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. Here on the game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles. Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Hell yeah, you got something to say to us. Game hotline 706-0111. Call, let your voice be heard, whatever hot take you want to throw, whatever, you know, you want to call James and I out on something that we said you think is wrong, do that also. We can have some fun. Jamie Green is sitting on the hotline. Mr. Jamie, what's going on? Hey, Mr. Miguez, how you doing today? I'm doing fantastic, sir. How are you? I'm doing pretty good, man. It's a beautiful day, and uh, I'm done with kids. I got one more day of school, but I ain't got no kids, so it's a beautiful Thursday afternoon. Yeah, I was about to say, that's always a good time of the year. (laughs) Always, man. Look, you were right. I am excited, super excited for my bolts that they managed to to sweep the Panthers, and they're going to move on, but I'm worried, too. That is a long time to be waiting to find out who they're going to be playing, whether that's the Hurricanes or the Rangers. 
And that's a long time to pick up some rust, too. So I'm kind of worried that they're going to kind of be off their stride a little bit when they do finally get to play again because, you know, that intensity, that, that, that adrenaline is going to kind of wear off. Oh, yeah. And, no, uh, no question. I, I don't know, man. I just kind of want to take your take on that. And also to say this, man, that Edmonton, that Edmonton and uh, Calgary, oh, Dude, that 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 series that series total right now the three one that that ain't it's not indicative of how the the series has actually gone. It's been oh, tight. No. It's been yeah, a lot tighter than three one. That has been such a great series. But Jamie, before you go, I want to get your take on who would you rather play as a Lightning fan out of the Rangers and Carolina? Oh man, uh, bro. Honestly, I think I'd rather play. Uh, I think I'd rather play the uh, Hurricanes simply because we've had the Hurricanes number for the last several seasons. Uh, Sebastian Ajo is a great player, but he looks uh, he looks pedestrian when he plays against the Lightning nine times out of ten. He's had a couple of good games here and there, but for the most uh, most part, he looks like me on skates when he's playing the Lightning. That ain't good. Yeah, no, that's not great. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, I appreciate y'all. Y'all take care. We'll uh, talk at y'all later. Jamie, appreciate you as always, my man. Yeah, he he's right on the money. I mean, James, it's just it's just like any, you know, say if the Celtics would win a game in five and they have to win a series in five and they have to sit around and wait. That's not what you want. Yeah, you don't want to sit for too too long. I mean, yeah, a, you want a good, you want a good a, break. You want like three days, but you don't want to hit the four, five, six week long. Right. And Carolina, I mean, the Lightning, they've been. They've been kind done. of just sitting there for They've the last two, three days. They've been done with their series for two days. Yeah. This series, they're only playing game five tonight. You're going to play at least two more. They're going to sit for a week before they play again. And that that's not ideal. Um, yeah, I mean, you may cut. You may, if you're either the Panthers or uh, the Rangers. Rangers and Hurricanes. Rangers and Hurricanes. I mean, you may be able to steal game one if the lightning have just been in there have you just kind of been napping right. just kind of waiting for somebody it's kind of it's kind of like the rabbit just kind of taking a nap because they're so far ahead yeah and then the other thing is what if this series the series goes seven then you're sitting for nine almost, ten days almost yeah i was about to say almost a week and a half before you play again that that's the downside to sweeping i mean it's nice to go hey let's win four straight and get out of here but then at the same time it's like well, now I'm going to get rusty. My muscles are going to get tight. It, yeah, I mean, that's, I don't know. Their their body's almost going to go into off-season mode sitting around for that long. You <laughs> you want to you wanna hear this parlay that my friend just sent me? Hey, go for it. What you got? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so. So, wait, before, is, is it good or is it like, dude, you're an idiot? I mean, it's realistic. Okay. But he's got thirty gajillion different things on the parlay. He's got like thir- like t- like probably ten different. So he's got Reggie Bullock, two plus May threes. Okay. Clay Thompson, two plus May threes. Steph Curry, three plus May threes. Dorian Finney-Smith, two plus May threes. Andrew Wiggins, at least four rebounds. Luca to have at least six rebounds and six assists. Draymond to have four plus assists. Reggie Bullock to score at least 10 points. Spencer Dinwiddie, two plus made threes. Dorian Finney-Smith to score at least 10 points. Clay Thompson to score 15 plus. Jordan Poole over one and a half made threes. 
Brunson to have over four and a half points in the first quarter and have over three and a half assists for overall in the game. And then Clay Thompson to score four plus over four and a half points in the first quarter. That's insane. He put <laughs> he put the last bit he had on his account. He put twenty on it, and the total payout, if he got all of this, would be thirty eight hundred seventy one dollars. Oh my god! It's a plus nineteen thousand two fifty eight. That's impeccable. If he pulls that, oh man! If he pulls that off. He better be taking you to like a Ruth's Chris dinner or something. <laughs> he, he put it in our in our uh, gambling group chat. He said, "Don't say I didn't warn you." Oh my gosh! Looking around, some SEC score news: Texas A and M takes down Florida ten to nothing in seven innings. Uh, so they scored seven in the sixth, which included sixteen legs. One, two, three homers in the inning for the Aggies. Uh, so, like I said, ten nothing. They take down Florida. So LSU now has a start time. They have been given an official start time. They will start at approximately ten thirty p.m. Eastern. So nine thirty. Uh, Vanderbilt and Tennessee will get underway here in about twenty or so minutes. And then LSU, obviously, would be 30 or so minutes after the conclusion of that one. So who knows? Maybe Vandy struggles. Tennessee blows them out in seven innings, and LSU can start at 9 instead of 9.30. Every, every minute helps. Every minute helps, James. Don't you, don't you forget that. Let's take a timeout right here on Crunch Time with Miguel Zamesh. And when we return, Koki Riley of the Daily Advertiser is going to join us to talk LSU. Now that they have a start time, we can actually do a fitting preview of the game. And since Koki's such a movie buff, we'll get his take on Top Gun Maverick. You're listening to Crunch Time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game, 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, and it is Southwest Louisiana's sports station. They could debate who should win the MVP, but they'd rather argue who has the best hair in sports talk radio. We just washed the hair. You know, I worked on my hair a long time, and you, and you hit it. It hits my hair. Now back to more of the stylish crunch time with Miguez and Mesh here on The Game. 1037 Lafayette and 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Welcome back. Crunch time with you guys and Mesh on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana Sports Station. Matt Miguez, James Mesh, 34 minutes after 5 o'clock on your Thursday. The LSU Fighting Tigers baseball team has finally been given a rough estimate start time of when they're going to play some baseball. Vanderbilt and Tennessee getting underway at about 5.50. LSU will begin 30 minutes after the conclusion of that game. Koki Riley of the Daily Advertiser joins us to preview their matchup with Kentucky and just talk about the general insanity that has taken place in Hoover over the last couple of days. Koki, good afternoon, my man. How are you? Doing really well, Matt. How's it going? Man, I'm I'm excited that there's baseball to talk about because, you know, the last 36 hours or so, we've kind of been sitting here like, okay, well, you know, when are they going to play? 
Exactly. Um, I think it weirdly benefits LSU to a degree because of some of the injuries they have and the fact that they don't have the deepest uh, lineup of pitchers, especially with the starters. But um, either way, at some point, you just want to see them play. <laughs> you know, uh, at first they were going to play this morning, and then it kept, and then gradually got pushed back and pushed back further and further as as yesterday went along and today went along. So I don't know. Um, let, let's let's break it down though. Yeah, no. Let's let's dive into it. Kentucky yesterday beating Auburn three to one behind back to back solo home runs in the bottom of the eighth inning. You know, what kind of momentum do you think that creates for Kentucky heading into this matchup with LSU? Kentucky's on a roll. Uh, they're playing really, uh, really, really strong baseball at the moment. Um, they're not the deepest team, but if you run into the wrong pitcher and they get they, they can scratch across a couple hits with. Um, some of their stronger bats, uh, look at a guy like a Rajanu at the plate, and they can upset you. And that's what they did to Auburn. They beat Auburn uh, three times in four games, uh, two out of three in the series to end the regular season, and then, of course, in the SEC tournament in order to have the right to play LSU. Um, I mean, this team beat Tennessee <laughs> in a series amazingly uh, a couple of earlier this month, uh, and they're just – I mean, they're, they're nothing to sneeze at. Uh, they may be the 12th seed, the lowest seed in the team in this tournament, and they're probably the least talented team out of all the teams in the tournament. But at the same time, they have some interesting pitchers, and if they could just scratch across, across enough runs, then they might be able to steal uh, some games here and there. And it'll be interesting to see if that depth can hold up, or that, uh, I guess, apparent lack of depth holds, holds up against LSU, especially with you know Kentucky having to play back-to-back days like this. And after all that Auburn, after all those Auburn games and whatnot, um, so I mean we'll see. But you know they're they're definitely they're definitely going to be a challenge for LSU. Talk to me about you know obviously Jay Johnson said that he's not going to release who's starting on the mound until about an hour before first pitch. But you know following the team, knowing the ins and outs, who do you think Jay Johnson's going to put on the mound tonight against Kentucky? Yeah, if I had to guess, I think it'll just keep it simple and go with Mikhail Hilliard. I mean, he's been their best starter the entire season. Um, he should be rested enough to pitch in this sort of game. Uh, yeah, he pitched last Thursday, so again, that's a week of rest. That's plenty of rest. Um, I mean, I don't. I think Hilliard's gotten a little bit lucky this season. He's allowed a lot of hits, and if, even though his his ERA and, and, and those sort of run totals haven't been terribly poor for him. Um, uh, but at the same time, he's been their most consistent starter, and I, I, I would be surprised if it's anyone else, given that they're still searching for a reliable number two or number three guy at this point, even though Ty Floyd was excellent last week. But, again, it was only one start, so you don't want to take too much into the small sample size. Um, but either way, I think they just go with Hilliard here to get off to a good start because I think it'll be – you know, it's really going to help them if they just stay in the winner's bracket, um, not just to, in order to, you know, potentially win this tournament, but also to help out their RPI chances and their, you know, where they, if in, the, you know, the probabilities that they host a regional. So um should be interesting to see. Give me an update on Jacob Berry. Uh, you know, he's he's battling through some injuries and, and hasn't been in the lineup for the Tigers a whole lot here lately, last couple of weeks. You know what? What's his status for tonight and for the tournament going forward? Yeah. Uh, so Barry played last weekend, only hit from the right side. Um, he got hit in the hand again, but it looks like he's 
kind of questionable day-to-day sort of situation. He'll probably, if he's in the lineup tonight, he'll probably just DH um, and probably just hit right-handed again. Uh, but he looked, you know, he looked solid at the plate um, either way. So uh, if he's in there, it's going to help out the lineup, I think, immensely. The wor- I mean, the worst he can do is consistently get on base, and even if the power has been sapped out a little bit with the hand. But either way, uh, they- and they have some other injuries too, right? I mean, Cade Doty uh, had that shoulder injury um, in-, in the in the Vanderbilt series. Apparently it's been stabilized. He's also day-to-day. Uh, Gavin Duga missed all of last series, uh, but he's ma- made some progress um, with that left thumb and wrist injury that he sort of re-aggravated in the Ole Miss series. So they they're dealing with some uh, some bruises and 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 uh, and I think this extra day day or two of rest here uh, really helps them for the tournament just to, just to give those guys um, uh, some extra like, like, time to rec- recover and recuperate. Chatting with Koki Riley of the Daily Advertiser here on Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. What what have you heard from Jay Johnson? You know, just kind of as his message to the team going into this tournament where they've generally had success? Um, I, I, I think the way Jay Johnson approached this tournament is kind of a similar way that he approached the regular season and that the regular season is a 52-game playoff, and this is just an extension of that playoff, right? So the regular season, every game was looked at as a playoff game, as a regional game, and that's kind of how they um, – that's, that's just kind of how they view it, and – and to me, it's, I mean, we, we, we've talked a good bit about sort of their mentality and where their head's at uh, from one week to the next. And, and I think part of the reason why we talk about that a lot is just because of how up and down they've been in recent weeks. I mean, if you told me that they were going to sweep Vanderbilt and score 42 runs against them in the series, I would have told you that you were crazy after what we saw with Ole Miss, right? So um, it'll, it'll be interesting to see if, uh, I guess their mentality and you know that sort of 56 game playoff approach um, continues into the SEC tournament. But I think at the end of the day, what this team's success or or lack of success is going to come down to their pitching, um, not just the and not really the bullpen because I think the bullpen's been pretty good for most of the season, even though it did get um, nicked up a bit against Ole Miss. I I, I think if they can get three to four solid innings from their starting pitching and not be down in games and play from ahead, this team really plays well when they're ahead, then they have a chance to win this tournament. They have a chance to get to the College World Series. If they don't, and they're playing from behind, then they're going to have a lot more trouble you know, if, if, in, in, in winning these games. So um, it should be interesting to see. Looking at LSU's, you know, resume on the year, they're right there on the cusp of hosting a regional. How many wins do you think they need in Hoover to kind of solidify that spot of we know we're going to host a regional next weekend? Ooh, we know, or I think they need to win at least one more to be in the we think category because I think they are in the we think category. But if they lost to Kentucky, since we have a little bit more clarity now with the bracket. Um, if they lost to Kentucky, I, I think it would definitely hurt their RBI chances, and they would have to get to like the SEC tournament final for you to be really, really confident in them. Um, definitely, or probably hosting a regional. If they win this game and win the next, I think you can say they probably will host a regional, just because they win this game. What they'll probably play Tennessee, 
if, if that's what we're thinking. Yeah. Um, and if that's the case, Tennessee, Tennessee or heck or Vanderbilt, either way, right? I mean, I'm, again, I'm trying to do the bracket off the top of my head with the eliminate. And anyway, either way, um, that's a whoever they're going to play. It's going to be a high RPI ranked team, right? And then just based off that math, that's going to help them a lot if they can win that game and win the Kentucky game, and boom, all of a sudden they're in the final of the SEC tournament, then you can feel very, very good about their chances of hosting Rigel. I mean, they've already gone up a spot in the RPI by doing nothing uh, so far this week. So they started off the week at 22, now they're at 21 heading into this game. So um, it should be interesting, though, because, again, RPI isn't everything. Uh, It's just the best way we can sort of track this sort of stuff. You know, you you talked about it, the the Vandy-Tennessee matchup being – a matchup that could determine who LSU plays next. What are your thoughts on that matchup? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a it's a really interesting. It, it, I'm I'm curious to see how how it, it is a rematch from earlier in the season. And I'm, and I'm sort of curious to see how Vanderbilt's arms sort of hold up in that game. And Tennessee's the best offensive and defensive team in the SEC in terms of pitching staff and offensive standpoint. So, um, yeah, I'm interested to see how Vanderbilt's arms hold up because their arms hold up, they can beat anyone pretty much. Um, but when their arms can't hold up, their offense doesn't really have the juice to uh, call them back in games, really. And we kind of saw that in this in, in, in the LSU series, right? I mean, Vanderbilt, they, they would fall behind early, in the, especially in those first two games, and then they just did not have the horses to, um, to make, make any sort of comeback. I mean, this is a team that is really young pitching, but they're built on that pitching. Um, and they're a flawed team, despite the fact that their RPI is still top 10 and after getting swept by LSU. But, um, yeah, that's going to be a really interesting game. And and, and, I, and I think an LSU versus Tennessee matchup would be really fascinating because we haven't seen those two teams play so far this year. So I guess just from, like, a testing it out and seeing how they would react against, like, super-duper elite competition, uh, that would be – that would be really interesting heading into the regionals just to see how this LSU team would react to a team of that sort of um, caliber and resume. Yeah, no question about it. That would definitely be a, a must-see contest. Koki Riley of the Daily Advertiser. I've got one more for you, Koki, and it's not LSU-related. Um, oh, okay. I know you're a movie buff. Oh, yes, huge. <laughs> Top Gun Maverick comes out tonight. Give me your thoughts on the original Top Gun and what your expectations are for its sequel. So I rewatched the original Top Gun roughly a week ago, and I absolutely loved it. Um, it's I I think the beauty of Top like the first Top Gun. It's the reason why it's so amazing is the fact that they're not flying these planes in front of like these green screens or blue screens. I mean, Tony Scott, the director of that film, actually is actually connecting cameras to the bottom of these F-15 fighter pilots, and it's unbelievable to watch. I think that, to go along with just some of the unintentional comedy with the with the beach volleyball scene, it's just, it's just iconic scene after iconic scene, even if there are plenty of flaws within that movie. And the reason why I'm so excited to see this is because I, I, I'm just, I, it just, it seems like there's like a real commitment with Kosinski and uh, and Cruz and that entire team to just shoot make like shoot these incredible fighter pilot scenes in the flesh in person and that Tom Cruise and these actors are actually flying these planes in real life. It's I mean that's the part that I'm really really looking 
um, forward to forward to it. Hopefully, hopefully we don't have any sort of. Um, I don't think. I mean, I respect Kelly McGinnis in the first movie, but I mean that that romance is easily the worst part of that film. Um, so I, I don't think we're going to have anything, I guess, that strange in this movie. Uh, but I, again, I'm really, really excited. I've heard only good things about Top Gun Maverick, and I'm trying to plot a. I'm honestly trying to plot and find a way to to sneak it in uh, at some point this week, and as soon as I can. Yeah, no, watch I, it. I definitely would because uh, we're going tonight, and I'm looking. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, yeah. How, what What are your thoughts on the original and all that sort of jazz? I mean, I grew up, so it, it's one of my dad's favorite movies of all time. So I grew up with Top Gun being an institution. So, I mean, that's kind of the way I feel about it. Like, it's an incredible movie. Um, and, and, and Tom Cruise to still be doing the things that he's doing at 58 years old is ridiculous. Absolutely. Yeah, um, that's like half the fun with all these Tom Cruise movies. Right, right. Like I also rewatched the Mission Impossible 6 the other night, and I mean, that movie, is that's the best action movie of the last 10 years. I'll tell you, I'll tell you this. If I look as good as Tom Cruise when I'm 58... I will be all right. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I will be all right. Cokie Riley of the Daily Advertiser has been our guest. Cokie, really appreciate you taking the time. Enjoy LSU baseball this weekend. Enjoy Top Gun if you get to go see it, and uh, we'll talk to you soon, my friend. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me on, Matt. Cokie Riley of the Daily Advertiser. The game, the game clubhouse is free to join. You're not going to be spammed by crazy emails. And you're going to get the opportunity to enter to win free stuff. How would you like a $25 gift certificate for Mabel's Kitchen at Cypress Bayou? If you're hungry for some comfort food like fried mozzarella sticks or a barbecue pork sandwich, Mabel's Kitchen is for you. Sign up for the Game Clubhouse today so you can win that $25 gift certificate. 1037thegame.com or 1041thegame.com under the Clubhouse Rewards tab. Take one final time out. When we return, we'll wrap up your Thursday. Crunch time with me, guys, and Mesh on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles. It is Southwest Louisiana's sports station. You're listening to the game. 103.7 Lafayette and 104.1 Lake Charles. Your home for the LSU Tigers in Southwest Louisiana. Welcome back to Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh on the game. 103.7 Lafayette, 104.1 Lake Charles, Southwest Louisiana's Sports Station. Got a comment, or it's actually a tweet on Facebook, on Twitter. At Game Louisiana, why is no one calling in for Jonathan Lucroy? So there's the answer to the trivia question. Jonathan Lucroy finished his Cajun career with 184 RBIs. So there's, thank you, big Saints fan. Uh, wish you would have called into the show because you would have gotten two free tickets. Um, and then Ton answers the poll question and says, bruh, unless they're missing games, I'm good. And that should be the mindset. 62% say no, 31% says who cares, and 7% now say yes. So the message... You shouldn't be worried if a couple of guys missed day two of OTAs. Plain and simple. James, what you doing tonight? What's 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 going on? What's the plans? What you looking forward to? Uh, I'm I'm interested to see how game six, game five goes for 
Dallas and Golden State. Yeah. Yeah. Probably check that out. Uh, may may go bowling. Hey, maybe I don't know. We'll we'll see how it goes tonight. Fancy, fancy. I'm going to watch Top Gun. Uh, with RP three, five names, and a bunch of our listeners. That'll be fun. And then after, I'll probably go home and watch LSU play Kentucky, because the movie should end right around first pitch. So, yeah, crazy how it works out like that. I'll I'll go home and watch the game. It'll be fine. Because uh, I live in Broussard, so literally just a hop, skip, and a jump over to the theater, watch the movie, hop, skip, and a jump back. It's fantastic. Uh, tomorrow's crunch time, if we have one. Uh, LSU might might throw a wrench in things for our Friday, but we'll keep you posted on social media if something changes. We're going to have some fun. Uh, we're going to recap Mavs Warriors. We're going to recap... LSU preview the Cajuns because they will start at four tomorrow. And we'll also get you set for the Celtics game six because we know James is going to want to spend an hour talking about that. Want to send a big thanks to JT Crabtree, the voice of the Jags, for joining us at 4.30. Brady Raynard, the KPLC sports director to cover McNeese. And then Koki Riley joining us just now to break down LSU and Kentucky. That's going to do it for the Thursday edition of Crunch Time with Miguez and Mesh. For James Mesh, appreciate everything you do. I am Matt Miguez saying be safe, be well, give a big old hug to your mom and him. And we will talk to you tomorrow for the Friday Fun Show here on the game. 1037 Lafayette, 1041 Lake Charles. It is Southwest Louisiana's sports station. Bye.